I think first and foremost for people, it's really important that they find something that they enjoy. Mm. An organisation that they really want to work for, where's that kind of fit between themselves, their ambitions, and also probably finding an organisation where they buy into where that business is going. They feel they have a purpose when they're there. That's the most important thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we're joined by Mark Larwood. Mark has over 20 years experience in B2B tech marketing, working for both large corporates as well as being the only marketer for a startup. So he's the ideal person to discuss some of those common debates. Should you be a specialist marketer or a generalist? Should you work for a startup or a global brand? We also talk about what he looks for when hiring. So lots of advice for anyone who's thinking about their career or is applying and interviewing for jobs. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Mark. Matt, thank you. Delighted to be here. Good to speak to you. Excellent. So before we get started, I'd love to know a little bit more about your career in B2B marketing. Yeah, sure, Matt. Look, I've been in B2B marketing 20-something years. I think I probably started it last century. Well, last millennium, actually, wasn't it? It feels like a little while anyway. Always been in tech marketing, always been B2B. I've had the good fortune, I think, to work for small companies, big companies, and I've had a range of experiences within that. You know, I've covered PR, I've covered events, I've covered demand gen, all those good things. As I say, for small businesses and large, I've worked for Philips Electronics, I've worked for Atos, a big IT outsourcer. I now work for Virgin Media O2, as you know. I've also worked for smaller businesses like Mblocks and Raining Data, and more recently in Ixara as a payments firm. So quite a mix of career over 20 years, but you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else other than B2B tech marketing now. It's where it all happens. And as you sort of talk through your background, it seems that you've kind of gone down that generalist route. Has that been a conscious decision then? I wouldn't say it's been a conscious decision, Matt, really. I think it's just been the way things have panned out for me. You know, serendipity almost. It's been interesting. And I think... When I left, first left university, I started working for a smallish database tech company based out in rural Suffolk. And I got a real good grounding in marketing. I think my first day was stuffing envelopes with press releases back when we used to send them out, literally. But I was running events all over Europe. Yeah. And then from there, I moved on to Philips and took a more international role. I don't think at any point I thought, ah, yes, I'm going to be a marketing generalist. I thought, you know, I just kind of gathered all these experiences. I went along, realized it was actually quite good to have a lot of things in your toolkit. And here I am now. I've got a relatively senior role in Virgin Media O2. Enjoy it. I think I have that breadth that comes from having that generalist background, really. Yeah. Well, I think marketing's certainly become a bit more fragmented over the years. You know, I can sort of remember what marketing was like when you first started. So I guess we're of a similar age. But for marketeers right now, then, I mean, do you think being a specialist marketer can harm your career in the long term? Then? Not at all, really. I think first and foremost for people, it's really important that they find something that they enjoy. Mm. An organisation they really want to work for, where's that kind of fit between themselves, their ambitions, And also probably finding an organization where they buy into where that business is going. They feel they have a purpose when they're there. That's the most important thing. I think if people feel that they want to have a broader career in the mid to longer term, then it's good to think about those sorts of things early on. If you go and specialize in digital marketing or you specialize in PR, make sure you're still getting exposure to those kind of wider marketing techniques 
looking around what's happening in the business, you know, finding those opportunities to understand the kind of commercial aspects, the sales aspects of the business, mm. as well as making sure you've got to understand segmentation, positioning, messaging, all the kind of basics of marketing. So I don't think being a specialist is necessarily a bad thing at all. I think actually it's probably quite positive. Mm. But I would say to people that want to have a broader marketing director role at some point, get exposure to the other piece of marketing, right, as well, and make sure that you're getting that broadest exposure when and where you can. Mm. And if someone's going down that sort of generalist route then, what sort of skills do you think they need to master then in order to be a good B2B marketer today? I think for me, that kind of generalist role is bringing the glue, right? It's finding the way to join things together, join the dots, you know, work with the product team, work with the sales team, work with the rest of the marketing team to kind of establish what is that value proposition that we've got? Mm. How do we take that to market? That sort of broader planning piece. So I think that ability to take a step back, think strategically, mm. understand how things go is really, really important. But also that ability to collaborate to find your way around an organization, particularly if you work in a large organization, mm. you know, find the right people to bring together to move your business forward. Mm. Critical thinking, good communication and commercial acumen are really, really important. And just make sure you've got that solid understanding of the marketing basics as well. Yeah, because I think in B2B, I always sort of think of the sort of soft skills and the hard skills, and they kind of go hand in hand. To a certain degree, you can kind of learn the hard skills, but actually in B2B, the soft skills are just as important, maybe more important, because you've got to ultimately partner with stakeholders and sales teams and influence C-level and all that kind of stuff. So those soft skills are really important too. We sort of hear a lot these days about marketers having to sort of take charge then of their own careers. How would you sort of suggest marketeers upskill themselves? It's a really good question. I think I don't have the answers to that, right? I wouldn't say I've had a perfectly directed, planned approach to my own career, but I've had some really good experiences. And I've probably changed roles every two or three years, maybe within an organization taking on new responsibilities. I think the best way to learn and to develop is to take on new things, right? Mm. Over the course of a couple of month period, I'd probably say to people, make sure that 25% of what you're spending your time on is teaching you something new or bringing you another experience, getting you exposure to a new set of stakeholders and things like that. I think people mistake development to be, I must do a course on this. That's part of it, right? I'll go and study CIM. I'll go and study commercial acumen or something like that. But the real learning is done on the job, right? Is finding that exposure to other things, employing what you're learning in those courses to a real life scenario, working with other people. It's kind of softer skills that you refer to, Matt, are really, really important, aren't they? Mm. Those things come from more exposure to more people and joining more of those dots, as I say. Mm. And I think you've got to be prepared to sort of put your hand up, take charge of a project, it's sort of getting out of your sort of space, if you like, and saying, look, I've identified a problem. How about I take control of that? And that gives you then the exposure and the learning. I think that's right, Matt. I think nobody else is looking out for your development necessarily. You know, people say the right things and people are very supportive and enabling of you to get that development. But ultimately, we talk about personal development plans. And the first P is personal, right? It's yours. It's mine. It's yeah. your listeners. Yeah. It's up to us as individuals to take control of that. And that can be directed and say, yes, I want to achieve this in the next two, three years and the next two months or whatever. But sometimes it just evolves over time. Mm. I don't think we should beat ourselves up when our very laid out two year plans don't necessarily come to fruition in the way we probably anticipated in the first place. Well, I think the job market's changed so much, hasn't it, even over the last sort of 10 years and certainly over the last couple of years. I mean, you obviously talked at the start about having worked for big companies and small companies then. You know, from a marketer's perspective, what do you feel the difference is then? 
fundamentally, the challenges are broadly the same for both sizes of organisations, I suppose. But there's a massive variance, right, between you know, small startup to small middling size organisation to great big corporate. I think what you get in a corporate organisation is some form of structure, strong brands as well. But what comes with that is politics and Mm -hmm. not everybody necessarily moving in the same direction and the way that you want it to go. So you've got to be able to balance those things. I think in that big organisation, you've got to be pragmatic. You've got to be prepared to take a degree of risk sometimes and find different ways of doing things. I think if you were a slave to the processes and procedures and politics in a large organisation, you'll either get lost or you'll get bored or possibly both. I think on a small organisation, particularly at the sort of startup end of it, really small end where I've spent a fair amount of time, you know, I found myself working for founder CEOs, right? Really strong, passionate people, really, you know, live and breathe the company. They are the company, they are the brand. But with that as a marketeer, it can be quite tricky, quite difficult, trying to help them see that maybe their way isn't the best way and you've got a slightly different approach to things. And I think being able to go toe to toe with very senior stakeholders in a small business and find your way around that and bring things together is really, really important. I kind of feel like you can have much more of an impact as a marketeer in a smaller business in many respects. Whereas the danger in a large business is things take a long time and you can become a cog in the wheel in some respects. Mm. You know, I've worked in both. I currently work in a large company, so I won't say too much about my preferences necessarily. <laughs> I would say I feel I've gained a lot from working in lots of different size organizations. There's a kind of pragmatic kind of entrepreneurial element that you get from working in a small business. And that has some value in a large business as well. And what I take from the large business into the small is a little bit more structure and a little more of a methodology to it. I've learned from both and I kind of use bits of both on each side, maybe slightly different balance though, Matt. Yeah. And if we're thinking about sort of marketeers who are currently working for small businesses then, sort of facing some of the challenges that you've perhaps just talked about there or you've had previously then, what sort of advice would you give them? You know, reflecting back on your experiences, what would you perhaps have done differently or what did you perhaps do that can have worked really well to ensure that you're kind of making a difference? I think before joining a small business, make sure you're asking all the right questions, right? Particularly as a startup, make sure that it's well-funded, make sure that there's the right people in place. But also, if it's a really small business, you know, you could well be the first or the only marketeer there. What are your support structures to help you through things? It can be a quite a lonely place being the only marketer in a business or the most senior marketer in a business anyway. People are looking to you for direction and marketing ideas and you know answers when, as we all know, you know, there's no black and white yes and no in marketing. It's all very much shades of grey and you know, nothing's right, nothing's wrong. So it can be a lonely place. You need those internal, that external kind of support network to help you with that. Mm. On joining a new business, any new business actually, but particularly in smaller ones, take a moment to sit back, reflect and think what's going on here. Understand the personalities, understand the people. I've suffered from this previously. I've gone straight into the actually just need to generate loads of demand, just need to get loads of leads. The reality is that isn't what we need to do. We really need to nail down what's our proposition, what's our value prop in this market, where are we actually trying to go? You can just chase after everything when you're a small business and you're in that kind of pivoting, trying to find your place. Yeah. Establish where you need to focus, establish where that kind of product market fit is, and then worry about going out and doing the marketing. I'm not saying take months over a series of weeks, really, Matt. 
Yeah. And would you kind of do that at interview stage then? Because you do tend to find that the kind of onus in an interview tends to be on the candidate rather than the candidate being able to ask too many questions of the company. But you make a really good point there about expectations ultimately you know is the ceo and the founder team expecting you as the sort of first marketeer to come in and suddenly have this pipeline after two months versus kind of really what you should be doing which you know you're absolutely spot on there is kind of sitting back and you know almost analyzing what's taken place so far what market are we operating in who are we operating against so then you can really start to build the fundamentals then I mean, is that something you'd recommend maybe marketeers quizzing directly then companies about this kind of stuff, the expectations and their thoughts around what they expect out of the first 90 days? Matt, I think you've got to, right? I know it's difficult in that sort of interview stage, but both sides need to be sure that they're going into the right relationship, right? You know, for the business, they want to make sure they've got somebody who's savvy, able to do the job they're asking to do. I think as a business owner, as a CEO, I would respect people who are asking those right questions. Any instance when I'm interviewing somebody, I want them to know that this is the right role for them and vice versa. Hmm. The classic interview process is very much geared or seen as would-be candidate has to prove their worth to a business. It's absolutely not that. I think it's just as nerve-wracking being on the recruiter side, Hmm. trying to find the right person. The risk on you is huge if you bring in the wrong people. Candidates, we should appreciate that and really think we have some power in this as well as the person who's doing the recruiting, right? ask those hard questions. I think it will position people better in many respects. If somebody comes in and asks me loads of questions about the role and what they'll be doing, I find that reassuring than somebody who just comes and answers my questions and then at the end says, thanks very much and walks away. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree because it's got to be the right fit for both parties. The last thing you want as a company is a candidate joining a job that isn't quite suited to them, especially as you mentioned that sort of cost in terms of time and potentially the cost in terms of recruitment costs. It can be very costly to get it wrong. What about on the flip side? I mean, we hear a lot about certain marketeers being only right for certain jobs. And we're obviously talking about the sort of startup and the bigger company marketeer then. If we're sort of talking about a marketeer who's worked for smaller businesses and startups, and they were going to work for a bigger business then, what do you think they should be doing differently to make a good job of it? I think you've got to be prepared for the fact that in a corporate entity, things don't go the same way. You don't have the same access to senior managers. You don't have the same access to everybody that you need to make a decision on something. Whereas in my startup world, back when we were all in an office, I would walk across the office and talk to our CEO. And, you know, that would take me 90 seconds or something. If I want to speak to somebody in our business, you know, more senior person, I probably need to book a meeting three weeks in advance something like that. If I want to get a group of people together, it's much more complicated, right? We're all meeting heavy. And there is that finding something that to unite people is a challenge. Mm. Be prepared for the politics, be prepared for how those things are working. I don't think it's a move that people shouldn't make. Mm. It's good to have those different experiences, particularly early on. But I think it's definitely a different environment much more structured, which can help. You know, it turns on your personality, doesn't it? Yeah, and you make a good point there. It's good to have those experiences because I guess the point you're making is that then you can sort of get a feel for actually what suits you better as a person because the two can be quite different things. Yeah, and I think, as I said earlier, you kind of learn from both. You know, I think this kind of entrepreneurialism, pragmatism, can-do attitude that you need in a small business can really translate into a large business and give you the edge over some other people as well. Yep. And then that kind of structure that you can bring and that sort of critical thinking and commerciality you probably get more in a larger business, you can translate into a small. And for me, I've kind of flipped from one to the other to the other quite successfully, I think, over the last 20-something years. 
it's quite unusual to see, actually, I've got to admit. So to pivot then and sort of thinking about marketers who are currently looking for a job right now then, if they can't decide between big company and small company or being specialist or generalist, how do you think they should approach job hunting them? Have an open mind, but I would say give some serious thought into what sort of environment you think you're better suited to a degree. But principally, if you really feel that you can work in both, I feel I can work in both, as I say, I've been doing it for some time, then it's got to be the people you're working with. Choose a manager, choose the team that you know you're going to work with and get on with, that you will fit in with their culture and the way they are. But also look for an organisation where you believe in the purpose, believe in the direction and believe in what that organisation does and where it's going, whether that's large or small. Mm. It just comes down to personality and the role and most importantly, that team and direction of travel. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people get so fixated on working for a particular type of business or, you know, they can be quite dismissive of the product or the solution quite early on. Whereas actually, if you talk to a lot of people about why they enjoy work, generally it's the people they work with. It's the people they're working for. It's the challenge that they're given. It's the learning and the development. And it's that sort of human to human piece rather than getting too fixated on the tech itself, really. And if we sort of break this down a bit more then, I mean, thinking about sort of applying to jobs You know, if you look at most advertised roles right now, it seems like some sort of crazy shopping list of things that a marketeer needs to do or need to know. And that can sort of put people off. Do you think it should put people off, you know, having been a sort of hiring manager yourself? Uh, No, absolutely not. I think if anybody can do everything and has done everything that is on some of these kind of laundry list job descriptions, then they're probably fishing in the wrong pond, right? People generally should be looking for roles which will stretch them, bring something new, allow them to learn something, right? and actually test themselves. I wouldn't be put off by a JD that had, you know, that laundry list. What I would be doing, though, is looking at what is it on that list that I think is really core, really key, the things that absolutely have to have to be able to do that job. And then what are the things which are probably nice to have? Mm. And when I went to interview, I'd be focusing on the things that I absolutely can do, but paying the right sort of service to the other elements as well and how those are stretchy for me as an individual, but things that I feel I've got the right sorts of skill sets and approaches to be able to do. I think there is a tendency from hiring managers to completely load the job spec with everything that could possibly be done by that person. But you know, we're not looking for super people here, are we? We're looking for people who can do the job at the end of the day. I think some of this probably comes from hiring managers start off and wanting to recruit three people. They get told they can only recruit two. So they <laughs> truncate the three roles into two and you end up with these laundry lists of tasks, really. As hiring managers, we're kind of open to people being able to do things in different ways. Yeah, I think you can sort of look at some job descriptions and think, wow. But I think ultimately candidates want to go into a role where there are obviously elements that they can do, but every candidate wants to try new things, learn new things. So actually having a bit of a gap between where they are right now and what the job is doing is, I always think, a good thing for the sort of short term and actually keeping them in the business for the long term as well. You're obviously a manager yourself then. I mean, when you look at a CV, what sort of things are you looking for on it? I would say, hands down, the one thing that I'm really looking for is impact. I think lots of people can list lots of things that they've done and responsibilities they've had. Very few seem to tell me the impact of that on their CV. And that's what I want to see, right? I want to see that the activities or the programs or the campaigns that somebody has run have delivered business outcomes and what they are. If people can put percentage terms and things like that on a CV, I think that really helps me understand the impact that they've had. Mm. That kind of principal thing that I'm looking for is 
what has what you've done what has it actually achieved for your business where has it taken you to yeah you know it gets across the sort of commercial aspect of you as a marketeer if you like so you know we'll certainly speak to a lot of companies that won't interview candidates if they don't have that kind of stuff on a cv are there any sort of red flags for you typically when you're looking at cvs you know maybe people have perhaps moved around a little bit or anything like that i think that's probably the one that sort of jumps out i wouldn't say necessarily a red flag mm. but it's something to be wary of and certainly if we were pre-screening before interviewing i'd be interested in understanding why that person may have moved around a lot could be that they've done a lot of contracting because it suits their lifestyle or something at the time and they want to change. But if somebody's going for a permanent role, I would be wary of people that have jumped around too much, mm. particularly, you know, mid sort of career phase. I think early on, it can be the norm to come and get different experiences. And if that comes across on the CV, there's progression in those moves as opposed to just sort of jumping ship. That's certainly one of the things I would be cautious of people that they're not going to come in for six months and then mm. disappear again. Mm. And then sort of moving on to the next stage then, the interview itself, what do you typically want to see and hear from marketeers in an interview? Again, it's that impact, right? I want them to tell me what they've done, how they've done it and how that's driven an impact. I want to hear the word I a lot more than we as well. I want to know what their role has been in something. It's very easy to talk about what we've done as a business, but I want to know what your role was that, what the impact of what you did was on that. So I want to hear that. Mm. The STAR method is a great way of doing that, right? Situation, task, action, result, something like that. But I think that kind of approach and really structuring your answers and being really well prepared on those sorts of things is really good. You know, I would say have four or five really strong examples of your work that you've really thought through in terms of the impact, but be prepared that those four or five can actually answer 20, 30, 40 different questions. That ability to be agile and thinking in an interview as well mm. I think, as i said earlier as well i'm really interested in the questions that people ask me through the interview phase i think quite often particularly more senior roles the conversation we have are much more two-way both parties sort of feeding each other out to see if it's a right fit or not mm. it's really hard to be yourself as both the candidate and the interviewer right in an interview situation but i think trying to get across your own personality your own preferences and the like really helps people understand if you'll be a fit or not and be willing to say if it's not for you yeah you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about asking questions you know i always think of it not like a sort of agency client side relationship but you know a company has a problem they're hiring somebody because they have something that needs doing something that might need fixing it might need somebody to actually execute on stuff and it's your job as a sort of interviewee to kind of find out what that is, you know, what's happening, what's going wrong, what needs fixing, what do you actually want me to do? And once I can understand that a little bit more by asking questions, then I can talk to you more about how my experience actually relates to that. And it could be the case that, do you know what, actually hearing what you're talking about, I'm probably not quite suited to, it's not quite something that I really want to do. Or it could be the case that I absolutely understand this and I am the person to be able to help you with this because I've done X, Y, and Z. And that's where your star examples come in, which is spot on. Yeah, I would always say to candidates to sort of take control to a certain degree as well. As a sort of final question, I mean, how much do you tend to weigh the sort of attitude and willingness to sort of learn over somebody who's actually done everything on a job description? Because you do find that at times companies can be a bit prescriptive, almost like putting a square peg in a square hole, so to speak. How much do you sort of weigh the ability to pick something up and learn something versus somebody who's actually done it before? I think the most important thing is attitude, right? But they have to have a degree of knowledge and understanding and ability to hit the road running. 
but I think having the right mindset, the right attitude and you know, a willingness to learn and a willingness to really help the team is really important. A good work ethic goes a long way in interview. That's why I think the kind of getting an insight into somebody's personality is really important because it's about how that person will fit in with the rest of the team, right? And I'm often thinking, you know, how will X person in my team work with this person? Will they be able to work together because they'll have to? This senior stakeholder, how would they handle that? Mm. Particularly the good candidates. That's the sort of thing you start thinking of really early. It's like, how would this person work with these people? And then the questioning kind of goes along that line to a certain extent, I think. Attitude is everything, really. You can teach somebody the way to do the job. Indeed. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's quite rare you sort of speak to a marketeer like yourself who's had the different experiences, big company, small company. And obviously, you've been on both sides of the fence. So, you know, the advice that you've been given to especially job seekers and even companies thinking about hiring people, I think is really valuable. So thanks very much for giving up your time. My pleasure, Matt. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Thank you. So that's it for another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a review as that helps the channel going forward. Until next time.